scripture I want someone to get for me Proverbs 22 verse 28 Proverbs 22 verse 28 somebody like to get that for me uh, Dennis and uh, uh, Carlene would you get for me Exodus 35 verses 2 and 3 Exodus 35 verses 2 and 3 I want somebody to get for me Numbers 34 3 through 6 Numbers uh, will be Jim, uh, if you'll get that for me. So we've been uh, studying for a number of weeks, if you're a visitor this morning, on landmarks and boundaries. I've uh, been a very, very interesting uh, text and thought and uh, becomes uh, much more profound as you begin to uh, study. And I'd like for you to read Proverbs 22:28, and uh, we want to uh, open Proverbs 22:28. Do not remove the ancient landmarks which your fathers have set. So let me, uh, to kind of prime our uh, thoughts this morning, uh, let me ask you, why would anyone uh, want to remove a landmark uh, that their ancestors had set? Why would anybody want to do that? Could plant two more rows of corn. So uh, that would be the boundary of the field. And if he got to move that over, he'd have two more rows of corn. All right, anybody else? Uh, twister? More money. All right. Anybody else have any profound thoughts? Barry, you ought to work this into the Catholic seminary somehow. <laughs> Okay, so we've been, uh, we've been uh, studying this. For those of you that are new to the class, landmarks had to do with uh, uh, reference points of property. This is uh, prior to fencing. Uh, people uh, neither had the time uh, nor the money to uh, construct elaborate uh, fences around their property. And so they had landmarks and boundaries. And uh, this established a territory this established title deed. Uh, this established a reference point within which they could build buildings, plant crops, live their lives, uh, have some kind of uh, territorial identity. And, uh, and so uh, the reason that landmarks were so important is because they established boundaries. This is, uh, this is the, uh, the main thing. If you keep that in your mind, this is the limit of a field or property. And there's a cord or line that was generally used. It was a standard uh, form of measurement. And this was used to measure off the limits. And when the, you see the word boundaries in the scripture, it's from the root of a line. This is, a, this is what it roots out of. And so moving this into a spiritual uh, application, God sets the boundaries, the reference marks for all of life. Remember in Ezekiel? Uh, there's some very interesting passages in his vision. He saw an angel of God had a measuring line. And so these principles are very profound uh, in uh, human activity because they have to do with us living life. And so in Proverbs 22:28 says, Do not remove the ancient landmarks which your fathers have set. Now this is repeated, uh, I think, six times in the scripture in varying degrees. And applications, and so that gives us great importance. I want to 
to uh, touch today, we could go in a, a many uh, a different direction, but I want to touch today on uh, the Sabbath day out of Exodus 35, 2 and 3, and uh, catch a principle for us that's very much needed in our generation. Exodus 35, verses 2 and 3, if Carlene would read that for me. Work shall be done for six days, but the seventh day shall be a holy day. Remember, uh, we, we touched on holiness. What does holiness mean? Jim? It's, it's consecrated to God or set apart to God, and that's what makes it holy, okay? So uh, it says that uh, six days you're going to work. Seventh day uh, is a special day. And I want you to pay attention to this because uh, you're not going to work in that day. Go ahead, Carly. It's a Sabbath of rest to the Lord. Whoever does any work in that day will be put to death. He'll kindle no fire in the dwelling. Okay. So I want numbers 34, 3 through 6. I want to bring in uh, just a little thought on boundaries here before we leave this and, uh, and launch off into that. Exodus, uh, uh, it's, not a, it's uh, Numbers 34, 3 through 6. All right, here's, here's God. Uh, he's, uh, giving, uh, he's giving directions to his people. He's setting absolute boundaries. He's setting clear-cut direction of uh, boundaries within which life is to be lived. Go ahead, Jim. Right, here's the consecrated land. This is why it's called the Holy Land, because it's consecrated to God, and he establishes the boundaries and says, this is where the boundaries are going to be, and my people, the people of Israel, are going to reside within these boundaries. Go ahead. Okay, no doubt about what the boundaries are going to be. God says, this is where you're going to reside. And uh, we have other scriptures that uh, I didn't bother to put in, Acts 17. Uh, coming out of the Old Testament, the Lord has set the bounds uh, of the nations according to the number of the people of Israel. And uh, uh, so this puts uh, God's eternal purpose having to do with something far beyond simply a border. These are reference points. So we want to talk for a moment about uh, a principle here. I want Exodus 16, verse 23. Somebody help me right in here. Very quickly, Exodus 16, 23, Noel, I want Exodus 16, 27 and 30, uh, through 30, 27 through 30, Paul, I want Exodus 20, verses 8 through 11, uh, Twister, I want Exodus 35, 2 and 3 again, who will get that for me, is uh, Bob, okay, so uh, we have a historic principle, first of all, lay a little foundation, incidentally, uh, we're dealing with a subject that uh, the Seventh-day Adventists say, Everybody who worships on Sunday has the mark of the beast. Got it right there. Okay, so we want to work through this and, uh, and uh, put it in a proper perspective and a proportion because there's a large space given to the Sabbath. This is not only uh, the Sabbath, the seventh day. This is uh, a couple of three uh, periods that God calls Sabbaths uh, in between. Uh, one of these is every seventh year and, uh, and uh, other special times that he calls. And so this predates the giving of the Ten Commandments. This is one of the Ten Commandments, but this predates the giving of the Ten Commandments. Exodus chapter 16, verse 23. 
All right, this is before the giving of the law in Exodus chapter 20, Deuteronomy 7. Uh, this predates that. God uh, is dealing with them, said, uh, this is what you're going to do. Uh, on the seventh day, this is going to be a Sabbath of rest to you. It's going to be holy to the Lord. Exodus 16, 27 through 30. But some of the people said, uh, this is, uh, uh, we don't care what God said. Uh, we're going to do what we, we've been uh, we've been living fat and sassy. We've been gathering this uh, uh, this manna, and so it comes every day. And so they said, we're going to go out the seventh day, and we're going to gather some. Go ahead, Paul. There was none there. Okay, think about this for a moment, because this has profound spiritual ramification. Here is a God who is giving supernatural ministry to his people. Man is coming down out of heaven. Six days, the seventh day, they said uh, uh, they disobeyed God on the sixth day. They didn't gather up enough for the seventh day. It said, no matter, it's all going to happen. But the seventh day, they found that nothing was there. Go ahead. God said, on the sixth day, I'm giving you plenty so that you will not be hungry. I'm providing for you. I'm taking care of you. I'm God, your man. Okay, so here we have it established. And clear cut, and God has to rebuke, and says, "How long are you going to you going to ignore what I'm uh, what I'm telling you?" So here's a day of rest. It's a day of worship. It's meditation, consecration to the preeminence of God. Exodus. Uh, uh, I need Exodus 31, 13 through 16. Somebody on the right like to get that for me? Is Mike? I need Leviticus 25, 2 through 6, uh, which is uh, David. And so I need Isaiah 58, 13, and 14, Pete Baker. So uh, uh, it's interesting to read Finest Dake if you're a, a, a fan of uh, Finest Dake. He goes out of his way to say that the Sabbath was never established as a day of uh, worship or uh, a day of, uh, uh, of assembling together. And Finest Dake is wrong. Because in the very words that are uh, involved, uh, they, it, it can mean nothing else. And uh, the Jews uh, in the New Testament times uh, went regularly to the synagogues faithfully. This was uh, uh, long established and was rooted in the principle of the Sabbath day. Set aside to God, honor Him, meditate on Him, consecrated to Him the preeminence of God. Exodus 31, 13 through 16. Children of Israel said, My Sabbath you will keep. It's a sign between me and you forever. That you may know that I am the Lord. And Exodus 35 to... Uh, no, it's not Exodus. It's uh, Leviticus 25, 2 through 6. Who did I give that to? David Barnes. Okay, when you come into the land, then the land... Keep a Sabbath to the Lord. Go ahead. Six years, you're going to till it. You're going to farm it. Seventh year, you're not going to till the ground. You're not going to farm it. It's going to be a Sabbath for the Lord. That which just continues on, even though it comes naturally, the seed falls in and so on. You're not going to reap that. I don't want you to take do that. You're going to leave the land to rest. Go ahead. Uh, this is a principle, he said, I'm setting in here that goes beyond. This is for you. This is going to be a blessing for you. And I'm putting that there. Isaiah 58, 13 uh, and 14 gives us a little added insight. 
Okay, you're not going to use that to go fishing. What? Who said that? Okay, go ahead. All right, here's Isaiah. He puts it right in. He says, this is the day that I'm to be honored. It's a set aside. You don't use that for your pleasure. You set aside for me. I'm to be worshipped. I'm to be honored. I'm to be thought about. I'm to be made the Lord on that day. And so uh, the interesting thing is that wherever you go in the world, an impact has been made by this principle. If you go into a Muslim nation, you'll find that they observe uh, yet today. If you go into the Jewish nation, you'll find they observe yet today. And if you go into where the church is gone, you'll find that Sunday, uh, which is a, we'll get into in a moment, has made an impact and affects all of society. And it's pretty serious business. I want somebody to get for me numbers 15, <coughs> 15, 32 through 36. Somebody like to get that is Brian Simmons. And so uh, we want to read that. We have two, uh, uh, two occasions where this is pretty serious business. Do you read that out loud for us, Brian? Uh, the children of Israel are still in the wilderness. They found a man gathering sticks on the Sabbath day. They brought him to Moses and Aaron. Said, "Okay, what are we going to do to this guy? Because he uh, he he's, he doesn't care what God says." So God said, "Kill him." And all the eco faggots gathered around and demonstrated. Okay, so here we have a principle. This principle is very profound. This principle is there. And uh, we have one more. I want from Second Chronicles thirty-six twenty-one. If somebody'd like to get that for me, is it Dennis? If you want to get that. So here is the breaking of the Sabbath, and so here's another very interesting insight because we read a passage of scripture that said the land is also to have a Sabbath. Not only are is mankind going to have a Sabbath, but the land is going to have a Sabbath. Man is going to affect uh, this, and it has a higher spiritual principle. Second Chronicles 36, verse 21. Okay, the people ignored God. Uh, they did not leave the land idle because, as Twister said, they needed money. Right? That's, that's why you ignore God, is because you want more money. And so uh, they said, we don't care what God said. Uh, we're we're, we're going we're gonna to get the benefits of this. We need the profit. And so uh, for 490 years, they ignored this. And so God said, fine, no problem. Uh, you're going to go into Babylon for 70 years. You're going to stay there. And this is to make up for all the Sabbaths of leaving the land desolate every seven years that you did not observe. Isn't that an interesting little text there? You say, boy, that's, uh, that's pretty uh, tough business. How come? Uh, he did that because he's God. That's how come. And when you're God, you do what you want to do. Right? And so what have we learned about boundaries so far? Somebody tell me what we've learned about boundaries and the principles that are involved in, in observing these landmarks and boundaries. What have we learned so far? Uh, Bear? To move the boundary, there are consequences. Okay, that's one thing we learned. What else did we learn? Uh, God is serious about it. God is serious about it. OK. 
Okay. Uh, Pete? All right, all these things are true, but there's a deeper principle. It's very important. Brian? Okay, this is not God setting up and saying, I wonder what I can do to make these people suffer. I want to keep them having any fun of any kind. So this is what I'm going to do. You don't do that. That isn't what that's about at all. What it's about is uh, our good. All the boundaries are set for our benefit. They're set to teach us. They're set to uh, develop us. They're set to give us uh, uh, insight and education. And, uh, and so God has set these landmarks and boundaries to help us and to bless us. We've, we saw that in several scriptures that we read. Now, let me give you a little bit of interesting insight. There's an astonishing truth, and uh, that comes out. I don't know if anybody that knows agriculture well can help me here, but uh, there is a truth that if you uh, farm land constantly and you do not let it rest, it begins to uh, degenerate. Can anybody, is there anybody really knows about that, Jim? Okay, there's an interesting uh, insight about nature, is if you farm the same crop over and over, the, it'll, it will destroy the land, and so they rotate uh, for that. Anybody else want to help us? Uh, uh, Rodney? Nitrogen goes out of the soil by certain crops. Okay, so uh, here we have uh, uh, crops that are grown for uh, market crops, right? We're talking about market crops. Uh, they're not going to just grow what they need. They're going to grow what they make money, and what you can make the most money from is what they're going to grow. But they discovered this thing about the land, that the land has certain qualities. Uh, Ike? Have to artificially? Yep. Okay. Uh, somebody else? Pete? Okay, so we're going to get that in just a second, Pete. It's very, you're very right. And so uh, uh, here's God. Now think about this for a moment. Who created the earth, understands, and he gives this principle to the children of Israel for their good. He says, if you don't do this, uh, then you're going to be disobeying me. But it is a higher principle, and that higher principle has to do with the keeping the land where it will continue to support them and produce. Then there's a second one we find that Peter's just brought out, is that uh, uh, mankind uh, has to have uh, this period of rejuvenation, of rest. When he doesn't do that, something happens to him. Uh, years ago, uh, when I moved to uh, Los Angeles to go to Bible school, I was a uh, flatline electrician and, and uh, uh, understood circuitry, could read blueprints, and could produce. I went to work for Lockheed Aircraft Corporation in Van Nuys, California, and it didn't take very long. They discovered that I could fix airplanes because they came out of the factory. They always had bugs in them. You had to work these out. They're trying to settle these airplanes to TWA uh, and American Airlines and so on to get their, get their money out of them. But they couldn't until all the bugs were worked out, and they signed off on this. And so they soon discovered that I could produce and so other crew chiefs started borrowing me, and I was working seven days a week, uh, 12 hours a day. Okay? And so I soon learned uh, the profound lesson of this, that this isn't just something that God says, you know what, 
uh, I, I don't want you to make any money. I want you to just work six days and seven. I'm going I'm to I'm punish you and steal this from you. You can't do that. But I found that after about three weeks of seven hours a day, uh, uh, 12 hours a day, seven days a week, I could care less if I ever worked again. Because your capacity to produce, and they found this in, in studying workers, they found that when they do not give them time off, that their productivity goes down. They might as well give them time off because they're just drawing money for nothing. Their ability to produce uh, degenerates. Isn't that interesting? How do you suppose God found that out? All right, so here we're dealing with the mechanics. And uh, we have. So we want to make a modern application. Does, does anyone have any question right now? We'll just take a couple of moments. So we ought to have some profound questions from somewhere or so far. Does anybody have any questions so far? Uh, Mike Solano. Yeah, they're twice on the sixth year. Twice as much. God said, I'll make it produce twice as much. You have no problem. Had another hand. Uh, Carol? So you're thinking already about taking the seventh year off. <laughs> Carol? Carol's mother uh, worked uh, as a single mother, raised five children, and, uh, and so uh, she asked her mother about this business of shopping on Sundays. Go ahead. Okay, so there was a day, everybody ever hear Blue Laws? There was a time uh, when uh, the profound impact in Western societies uh, produced the Blue Laws, which uh, no Sunday shopping. Uh, I pastored in both uh, uh, Canada and Australia, uh, and it wasn't very many years ago. It was even in, uh, in 1980, about that, or 81, we went to Australia, is uh, you could hardly find anything open. No gas stations, nothing. That's all changed now. They've caught up with America. And so uh, they're open 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and no problem, uh, whatever. And so, however, there is a principle here, and uh, this is what she's talking about. Okay, let's, let's put a little uh, modern application before we get uh, sidetracked, and maybe we can uh, come back to this. And so I want uh, Revelations 1.10, if somebody get that for me right here. Uh, Catherine, if you'll get that for me. I want 1 Corinthians 16.1 and 2. Uh, Sharon Walter. I want Matthew 12, 1 through 8. Uh, somebody would like to get that for me over here. It's Noel. I want Luke 13, 14 through 16. It's Bill uh, Kimball. So there's a modern application, and we're going to work back through this, uh, because you'll find something very interesting happened in the New Testament. And that is that they began to worship on what is known as the Day of the Lord. This is very, very interesting. There's three uh, things that had to happen. When Jesus came, established the church, uh, Jewish tradition was very, very powerful, and it governed their lives. The three things that uh, was necessary for the church to thrive and to survive. One is that the temple principle had to be uh, superseded with a higher revelation. Because the temple was the holy place, uh, to even think about the temple, uh, immediately projected in their mind, there's one place to worship God. This is absolutely essential 
that we come up uh, uh, and bring the Passover, and this was the central focus of Jewish religion. The second thing that had to be superseded uh, with the other revelation was the priesthood. The priests were the rulers of the, uh, of the life of Israel, even under captivity, as we find in the, in the New Testament, was very, very powerful. And this, was super, uh, this had to be superseded. The, uh, uh, the third thing that had to happen uh, was that uh, the Sabbath, where the local uh, groups of people all formed together in the synagogue, well, those three things had to be superseded with a higher revelation. Uh, the temple, Jesus uh, stands, says, you destroy this temple three days, I'll raise it up. And they said, you're insane. How are you going to destroy this temple three days? But the Bible said he spoke of his own body. Isn't this correct? It's a new temple that's going to be established. The second thing uh, had to do priesthood. The priesthood had power. Uh, they ruled with an iron hand. Even during the occupation of the Roman army, they still survived. And the priesthood held the, the people in an ironclad grasp. And Jesus brings in the understanding of the priesthood of every believer, which you do not have to go through a priest, that there is a new mediator, and that mediator is Jesus Christ, our great high priest, and he mediates between God and man and the priesthood of all believers. All of us have the ability to go to God. Still with me? The third had to do with the Sabbath, and uh, the Sabbath uh, in every local area was a place where they went to the synagogues. This is where they, uh, the religious life of the community and believers would not survive if that was their orientation. Thus comes the day of the Lord and which believers uh, immediately uh, began to observe. Uh, they went into the synagogues to proselyte. If you read the New Testament, you find them going into the synagogues and, and creating all kinds of ruckus. Every new place they went, they went in and said, Hey, I've got something to say because they had an open forum there and uh, they did that until they threw them out. They did this. You read the New Testament. They did that over and over again. So we have these three principles. And so let's go back to uh, the, the, the day of the Lord, which is a day of worship uh, and, and, and a uh, Sabbath uh, uh, was superseded by the Lord's day. And this is a record of the New Testament. Revelations 1.10. Read that for me. Uh, John uh, makes a specific statement. I was in the Spirit upon the Lord's day. He's making an inference there that this is his day that he was worshiping uh, God. And uh, he specifically, he, otherwise he would have just said, I had this experience, but he makes sure that we understand that this was on the Lord's day. 1 Corinthians 16, 1 and 2. Here's a Christian uh, uh, church. It's in Corinth. And uh, Paul's writing. He says, uh, uh, this is what you're to do. And he makes reference to this on the first day of the week. Go ahead. Okay. So let me ask you a question uh, this morning. Why do you get Sunday off of work? Why should you get Sunday off work? Years are grinding. Pete, in the history of America, okay? Okay, what does that have to do with uh, with anything? You're right, but make it be specific. Because the impact that the gospel of Jesus Christ has had on our society, right? Okay, you have to explain this to everybody. The impact of the gospel is beyond grasp. Shaping, reforming people. Uh, people are, are right now 
uh, off on pleasure cruises. They're off having a wonderful time uh, during their business. They're, they're mowing their lawns. They're painting their houses. They're rejoicing and hate God. And if you mention Jesus Christ, they have a temper fit. Because if it was not for the Lord, you'd be working your butt off, dude. Isn't that interesting? Profound impact has been made on society. Even nations that are not Christian nations are experiencing uh, the, uh, the uh, impact of it. All countries where Catholicism has gone, Mexico, uh, Philippines, and so on, uh, all of Europe, you'll find this. Even in Malaysia, which is a Muslim nation, you'll find it still is an impact that they get Sunday off. Very interesting. Okay. So do we have any question right at that point or uh, rebuttal? Uh, Jeff Brown. I just said that because it's the resurrection of Jesus Christ. This is the once call the Lord's Day. That is what the Lord's Day is. It's a day of resurrection, and the early believers assembled together to celebrate that, and that's what made the impact. Whether they fully understood all that was involved, I'm not sure, but that's what changed society immediately. And you'll find this record in the New Testament that this is the Lord's Day, and early believers worshipped on that day. Does that answer your question? Absolutely. Because we, we do not worship on Sabbath. Sabbath. Sabbath was for Jews. This is where your seven-day Adventists get into trouble. They want to keep the law. They, they don't mind lighting fires. Or traveling. Or doing all the other things that you're not supposed to do on the Sabbath day. But they just don't, they don't want to worship on a different day. I mean, they wouldn't want to keep that. Carol? Getting ahead of me. Okay, we're going to conclude with that. All right? Which is the real truth that we're, we're moving towards here. Uh, Judy? Judy grew up on a farm, and her father farmed over a thousand acres. Okay, so he discovered this principle, is what you're saying. Is that correct? Is he would plant alfalfa uh, and uh, uh, periodically get plowed under, leave it fallow, and uh, in the rejuvenation, uh, probably in areas or days before uh, modern uh, chemical, or either that or he's an organic farmer such as Young's Farm, which understands some of the things we're talking about. Okay, so uh, we want to not get bogged down. Let's get Matthew 12, 1 through 8, uh, because Jesus has a, a couple of unique statements. We want, to, we want to move this into perspective and uh, bring this down to an understanding. Matthew 12, 1 through 8. Right, here's Jesus and the disciples. They're going through the grain fields uh, on the Sabbath day. They get hungry. Okay, they start plucking off the, uh, uh, the ears of grain, ears of corn, uh, whatever, and they start eating these raw out of the fields. And so the, the Pharisees see this, and they're enraged. Go ahead. Uh, here's a very interesting insight. said, haven't you read what David and those who were with him did when they were hungry? They went into the, to the tabernacle itself, and they took the showbread, the holy bread, off of uh, the tabernacle and ate it. Uh, to serve a human need. Go ahead. So the, the priests profane the Sabbath. David and his uh, uh, disciples ate the showbread. It's holy bread. It's not made for the, anybody but, them, uh, but the priests alone. But they did this to meet a human need. Go ahead. He said, there's one here that's far greater than the temple. I want to tell you for sure. And, uh, and he said, uh, uh, if you'd have understood what this uh, 
this proverb means, I will uh, show, uh, show uh, have mercy. Say it again. Read it again. I'll desire mercy, not sacrifice. I'm more into something that's happening in your heart. That's what I'm aiming for. That's what all these other things are about, is I want to do a spiritual thing in your heart, uh, and you don't understand that. Go ahead. You'd not have condemned the guilty. The Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. Now, this is this is, uh, puts a little meat to what we've been talking about uh, before. Then we want Luke 13, 14 and 16, uh, through 16. Jesus goes into the synagogue. There's a, a woman there that's desperately ill. She's bowed together uh, in her sick body. And, uh, and Jesus laid his hands on her and healed her. But here's the ruler of the synagogue saw this. He's enraged and said, you shouldn't have done this on the Sabbath day. He said, you can do this six days. Don't come and be healed on the Sabbath day. That's not glorifying to God at all. But keeping of uh, the Sabbath, that's glorifying God. A very interesting little insight uh, in, uh, in Holland. They are very heavily Dutch Reformed. And so uh, in... Uh, uh, and I think it's stop, stop horse or stop worst uh, is a very heavily uh, uh, little uh, city. And if you drive your car in there, they'll turn it over and stone it. You drive it in there on Sunday. Very interesting uh, little insight into what we're talking about. Okay, so Paul gives a little insight before we open for questions. I want uh, somebody to get for me Hebrews. 4, 1 through 11, right in this text right here. Uh, Dennis will do that in a loud, clear voice for us. And so uh, we, we want to get catch the principle for that, and we want to uh, get this from the New Testament. Here's one of the most uh, interesting texts uh, in the New Testament. And if you want a little a- added insight, you might see Schofield uh, when he's dealing uh, w- with both of these passages, which was read Matthew 12. 1 through 8, Luke 13, 14 through 16. It'll give you a little added insight. But here is the principle towards which the Sabbath is aiming uh, totally. Go ahead. Here's the apostle. He writes in Hebrews and says, The difficulty is these people had the Word of God. They read the Word of God, but there was no faith working in them. There was no spiritual dynamic. They were absent a genuine working of the Holy Spirit to make application to this to their life. Go ahead. We who have believed have entered into that rest. Remember, we're talking about a Sabbath now. We're taking a principle that was put in the Old Testament, and we're we're making a full spiritual application and moving into a much higher range and a much higher understanding. This has to do with what man can do to please God and what God has uh, accomplished uh, through Calvary's cross. Go ahead. Reaches clear back into creation. See, the Sabbath principle is God made uh, the earth and all creation in six days. On the seventh day, he seized from his labors, and uh, this was called a day of rest or a Sabbath. Okay, here he reaches back, said there was a day of rest. He's talking about the Israelites. I gave them this. I'm teaching a principle. I'm moving to a higher revelation. They didn't enter into it. Uh, They didn't grasp it at all. And so there remains, therefore, a rest to the people of God. Go ahead. Here he speaks of this rest, which is the ceasing of trying to please God with our own works 
and believing in His work, which is Jesus Christ on Calvary's cross and resting in that rest He's provided. It's very interesting uh, applications He moved to that. Is there a little bit more on that? That's it. Okay. Uh, we got about two questions, two or three minutes for questions. Anybody want to fire away on our our lesson so far?